0: So you never know what you're going to get at church, do you? But I'm excited that you're here and even some fresh faces with us today or people who haven't been with us before. It's really good to have new faces. And as a pastor here, I'd really like to welcome you and glad you've been able to get to speak to and connect with a few people. We're looking at Titus and thinking today about training your true son. If you weren't here last week, I asked the question, who is your Titus? And getting you to think about to identify who could be a possible mentee uh, or someone that you could uh, be a trainee, uh, be a trainee for you and I not only asked you who is your Titus but how to get training and so I gave you those four tips on how to get training, you remember them instantly don't you? They all started with I and I talked about uh, identifying, I talked about identifying a a person who that might be the Lord leads you to then actually inviting them to, into that kind of relationship and space, investing your life and time with them and then doing that in the word and also gave you four S's as well on how you might get going on that that it's about the Spirit's work it's His work, sharing the experiences that God has given you and the skills that He's giving you and then setting a person free into a ministry area So that's just a really quick update of what we did last week, but today uh, we'll be thinking about Titus and we'll be thinking about who is the trainer and the trainee. We'll be thinking about Paul as the trainer and Titus as a trainee and this idea of training your true son. Now to find Titus, if you haven't got there yet, it is printed for you, just those and the outline there, which might be of help to you. I remember Titus is with all the other T's in the scriptures. So if you get to 1 and 2 Thessalonians, then you get 1 and 2 Titus, and then you get Timothy. And uh, remembering that 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral epistles. Epistles as in letter and pastoral as in, this is a letter to young pastors. So it's in good order for me as well, as a young pastor. Oh, young, aren't I? Yeah, that's what I was just just checking. <laughs> How about we pray and then we'll get into these word and the word of God that He's got for us, Lord God. I want to thank you. Thank you for bringing us together and for gathering us here. Each person that you have brought and each word that you have for us, we ask, the Lord God, that we may decipher and discern that. That you may remove distractions. That you may use my words uh, to go as your words to your people here. And we ask, Lord God, that uh, we will be listening to what you have to teach us. And we ask and pray this in the name of our Saviour, Jesus. Amen. Well, um, as I pray, hopefully you're praying as well. And I'll encourage you to do that as other people pray uh, to to lead you in prayer. But I want to give you a bit of the backstory of what's happening here. And if you want to flick to Galatians, you can do that. But I'll just take you there to the first few verses in chapter 2. Because this really gives us the backstory of the book and picks up a few of the relationships and what's going on. Galatians 2 verses 1. And I'll read that for you if you haven't got it. It says, 14 years later, this is Paul writing to uh, the church in Galatia. And that church is having similar issues or some of the things that Titus ends up dealing with As he writes to Titus. Fourteen years later, Paul says, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders. ...for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because those false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom who had, we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves... We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. And so Paul there is ironing out a bit of the truth that needs to go forward in the gospel which he shared. And uh, we hear here of Paul and pick up his story. Paul made several missionary trips and three kind of to be precise. When he started from at different times in Israel and went up into Turkey and over into Greece and uh, different circuits, three of them, and then a fourth kind of trip as he went on his last journey as to Rome, where his life would finish. And on the way, you can imagine he's sharing that gospel message with people, and as he's traveling and people are being transformed, and, and the message of Jesus is coming alive to people in their life, And so just get a bit of a picture of what that might look like. And so he did these different trips. And as you travel with people too, you get to know them well, don't you? So there's different people that traveled with him at different times. And in 2019, I went with the Hickeys and others, a small team who went to Laos, and we got to know things about each other, didn't we, Hickeys? Or maybe they got to know things about me that I don't spend money in airports and I'm happy to eat street food, and uh, that's, what else did you learn? I I wore masks before they were even popular, remember? I I wore masks before they were even popular on planes. So we learnt things about each other as we travelled and spent that time together, and Paul obviously did with those that travelled with him, different parts of that journey and those mission trips. Specifically, on one of the trips, he he talks about Jerusalem, and several times he went to Jerusalem, as a Pharisee he would have travelled there regularly and as a missionary he went through there as well but he talks about a specific trip when he went there in Acts 15 and if you want to follow up that story I encourage you to have a look at that sometime uh, later today because uh, you pick up there an important point and I'll get to that in a moment but that's Paul on the way he met Timothy on one of those journeys and Timothy joined him and you can read in Acts 16 how he did that, how, how Timothy joined him. Timothy was a spiritual son who came to Alive on the trip. Uh, I think he was from Lystra, from memory. And Paul became, uh, he was an apprentice to Paul, an assistant to Paul. Acts 16 will tell you that. His mum was Greek. Uh, his his mum was Jew. His dad was Greek. And uh, to also on the journey there too, Paul thought it was a good idea for Timothy to be circumcised. Uh, Timothy probably thought that was a bit scary, but he did that in order that those that they were ministering to. And so uh, we hear of that on the journey as well. Timothy was a young, gifted guy. He was assigned uh, the the Church of Ephesus. And in the 60s, AD 60, in the 60s, two letters were written to him, one and two Timothy, from Paul. But Titus, he's another apprentice or another spiritual son. He had Greek parents and he ministered in Corinth. And you can read about that in 2, Timothy, uh, 2 Corinthians. You hear more of that. But in Corinth and also in Crete where we see this letter to Titus too. Now Titus is living proof that circumcision wasn't necessary for someone's faith and for salvation. And Timothy and, and Paul made a real point of that, and Timothy was living proof of that, because Paul took him with him to to Jerusalem, at the Jerusalem Council in Acts fifteen. He went with Barnabas, and Paul and Barnabas went, but also Titus, as it mentions here in Acts fifteen, or in, and we read it there too in in Galatian, in Galatia. But at that scene, the apostle. Uh, peter stands up and says we actually realize that this actually we we shouldn't make barriers for these people says that the grace of our lord jesus that saves just as we are and uh paul uh sorry peter addresses the people at that time and then also james gets up and he shares as well the apostle james and he gets in on it and says that actually don't make it difficult for gentiles who are turning to God with this whole circumcision thing that comes up. Anyway, that's a, that's a whole lot of the backstory. You can check that out, Acts 15 sometime, at that Jerusalem council. But the point there that it is through faith alone, and this faith that Paul will talk about to Titus in chapter 1. And Paul uh, gives encouragement as we go to, uh, to Titus now. He gives wisdom to him. And it's a God-given word to this junior pastor. So a church that has some people who are legalistic and some ungodly characteristics or people happening within the church. That would never happen here, would it? Good, okay. <laughs> uh, and Paul gives Titus his advice at this point. There's a bit of the backstory uh, we're going to get into now and we'll see of the teacher as we meet the mentor in Paul the Craftsman, as we might speak in verse 1. Read along with me there. Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, If we just stop at those two points, we pick up two things that is mentioned there Or Paul says and declares himself, he is a slave or a servant, your, your translation might have, and he is an apostle or a sent one, as your translation may have. Meg, can you just flick along again for me as well? Yeah, all right. And uh, slave will start off with that. That's the doulos. Uh, Tim's not here, but he has been on the doulos himself. We can ask him whether he's a slave or a servant. Uh, but the points Paul is making here, and uh, that word slave, is interesting. There were times in our history, in the horrible history of the world where people were tr- mistreated badly and you know, slaves stuffed on a ship and you know, taken across seas. And Wilberforce and people like Newton you know, fought against that. But the slave which Paul talks about in the first century is a person who actually is a part of a household. They do have a master and they're kind of part of the family and they do have responsibilities and a job to do. But Paul makes it clear here and calls himself a slave. Uh, It is probably similar to what we understand of a servant today in still parts of Asia or Africa. You have male or or man or or maid servants uh, who probably do a similar thing or a similar idea. But Paul identifies himself that Jesus is my master. And Paul identifies that his life belongs to that master. And his life and service belongs to Jesus wholly and solely. So he calls himself a slave of Christ, uh, slave of God. And an apostle, the word that we pick up there is the idea of a sent one. A sent one of Christ Jesus. And so he is appointed for this season. He is commissioned by Jesus. And like we say in our ABCH uh, mission statement that we commission with jesus to make him multiply his followers paul here says that he commissions he mission he's commissioned by jesus and he missions for jesus and interestingly uh we see here uh, that's how he identifies himself and that's how it starts the letter now that's getting a little bit to know the teacher and Paul the teacher but before we get a look at the trainer uh, sorry Paul the trainer as in the trainee there's a little bit in between and we find out more about uh, what I've called the saviour and uh, we hear this interesting part and this rich part of teaching of God so before we get to the trainee let's just stop and have a look at the saviour Um, You might notice there in verse 3 that it talks about God, our Saviour. In verse 4, Christ Jesus, our Saviour. Let me read the whole thing for us again. Verses 1 to 4. Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Christ Jesus, to build up the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness... In the hope of eternal life, that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time, he has revealed his message in the proclamation that I was entrusted with by the command of God our Saviour to Titus, my true son in our common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father, and Jesus Christ our Saviour. There's a pretty grand introduction and it's a little compact part which has a whole rich theology in it. And I just want to skim over some of those things but this rich teaching and the doctrines that we find here of God and the first one being that it says that uh, it's to the elect or to uh, the chosen. This is the idea of the predestined Now, this is a whole big idea, but I just want to touch on it briefly, that God of all eternity chooses to commune with, and He chooses to save and elect people. Now, this teaching is most familiar if you went to Ephesians, and in Ephesians 1, you'll find some helpful teaching on that, about being chosen before the creation of the world. That's a phrase there. And in Romans 9, you'll hear about God choosing whom he chooses. He has mercy upon whom he has mercy. And the big story is that the human race is fallen and the election involves God's gracious rescue plan, hence the idea of a saviour and the word saviour. And God rescues a people and starts with a people Israel. Why did he choose Israel? Good question. Israel was slaves in Egypt. But they become slaves to God. I know who I'd want as a slave master. Who would you want as a slave master? And that idea of slave. But he rescues and chooses Israel. Why Israel? Well, you can ask the same question of you if you identified with Jesus. Why did he choose me? And the Reformation, there was a bit of debate over this whole idea of election. And you may have heard of a Calvinist view of it or an Arminian view of it. Um, A Calvinist view more of you never really choose and you never really lose. And an Arminian version of this understanding that you choose God and you can lose your salvation. Uh, But you can work out that sometime later. Maybe you've heard of those terms before. I'm happy to talk to you more about that. It's a big idea, this idea of election, but the big story is, and the thing to take away from it, it is a comforting thing for Christians. And it's a comforting truth. It is like a warm blanket on a cold night to remind you of God's love for you and His choosing of you and choosing to put His affection upon you. It is a dear thing to hold on to. That it's not dependent on us or our work but god's work in his love for us and so we are to have faith in him faith is this other word that comes up in that very soon there as well faith is for the building up of faith of the elect and uh those that have he talks about common faith here as well did you notice that it's a it's a one faith it's not your faith it's our faith. It's one faith in the Lord Jesus. It's a common faith, a global faith, not just an in the, not an individual faith. And interestingly here, the idea of God having faith in entrusting to Paul the message and proclaiming the message. And he entrusts the message to us. God kind of having faith in us to pass on his word and using us in the story. And uh, I'm wondering today, um, who could you build up? See those first verse there? To build up the faith. Who of God's people or who here as you look around is someone that you could build up today in the faith? What is it you could say to them? What is it you could encourage someone here with before you go today? So I'll leave you with that little challenge as you think about that. Who, is, who can you encourage as we gathered together today. Well, that's the idea of elect, faith, hope we have there. Hope, did you notice that it was eternal? This is not like hope in the Bulldogs or the Western Tigers for Leone, moving off the bottom of the table today. That can be a very far-off hope and a fleeting hope, but this is a hope that is, what does it say here, Eternal. It is assured and it is everlasting hope. Hope that is assured and you can look forward to. Trust, it talks about there. Uh, sorry, truth, it talks about there as well. Did you notice the truth? God never lies. That's an important thing. That's an important doctrine. He is the father of truth. As a verse to the father of lies. He is always spoken the truth and he always is the truth and jesus says i am the truth doesn't he and when you meet the truth the truth changes you and as you come back in line with his truth at different times and realign yourself with his truth then it changes your life someone's just sharing with me on the way in how realigning themselves with god's truth again has brought new life And I wonder what uh, truth you have identified with lately or allowed to change you and your thinking or your life and uh, what truth is changing you at this point. But also grace is mentioned here. This is a huge teaching and a huge word, undeserved, unmerited. It's about a gift, God giving a gift to you. It's not based in human work Can't rely. You you can't rely on your own work. You can't boast in your own work because the message of the gospel is about grace. It's a gift. It's a grace gift. And the great gospel message, uh, the grace that has appeared. Chapter two. Have a look in Titus eleven, and we 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 just touched on that last week as well. Two eleven says for the grace. That brings salvation has appeared and you know what that grace changes us as well that grace changes us as well over in 3 verse 4 he says the same idea but when the kindness and love of god our savior appeared he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done but because of his mercy it's by grace that he saved us huge teachings and huge things that you could think after as well but uh, one last one there before we go peace you know this ends in peace grace and peace to you from god this is the surpassing peace the peace that surpasses all understanding and which you can have in the midst of a storm you can be in the boat with jesus and a peace which you can cling to And if you turn back a couple of pages, uh, you'll see in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, another 3.16 verse to remember. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. God's peace be with you. Now, these are all great things which you can spend and we could spend a whole heap of time looking at. But I want to take us and move from there to thinking about the trainee who we meet in Titus. And we really meet him in verse 4, as it's mentioned there, to Titus, my true son in the common faith. He's a true son to Paul as he became. Uh, he came to faith through Paul's ministry he is a spiritual son in that sense, and, he, and Paul is a spiritual parent to him. Now, Titus was uh, a Greek. Uh, he was a Gentile, uh, had Greek parents, and uh, we find out later on that he's a he's faithful servant um, to the Lord, and he is dedicated and a really helpful aid to Paul. And we get snippets of that through the New Testament where you pick up that story, And you can pick up more of that in 2 Corinthians as well, 2 Corinthians 8. And we know that there was difficult situations that he had to face in Corinth. You know, the Corinthian church, interesting things happening there. And the same in the church in Crete, uh, which he is assigned to at this time. He is trained as a true son then to how to actually deal with these situations and deal with them in grace and Paul has trained him and Paul has given him insight into how to go about that now Titus he had this God given love for the Corinthian people he had learned that from his trainer in Paul and he'd seen and he'd been you know he'd been on on tour with him as well so to speak and in 2 Corinthians 8 it says this of Titus that when, uh, he went with much enthusiasm and on, of his own initiative to the Corinthians. That's uh, the trainee in Titus that we see and a little snapshot of him. But what about us? And as we come to finish off our time thinking about uh, training your true son, I want us to think about this training your true son or daughter and who that might be. Now we can all have spiritual sons and daughters because there should be no orphans in the family of God, right? And you can all have spiritual parents in the faith. And, and it's maybe you, someone uh, you have brought to faith or that you've been part of their faith story for a little while, Um, you've been significant in their faith journey, or maybe you're journeying with someone on the Christian road now. Now, This is this idea of a spiritual parent to someone. Now it is rare for Paul, the Damascus Road kind of experience that he had, that he kind of had a direct encounter with Jesus uh, in in his words to him, seemingly very audible words to him that happens for some muslims it seems these days in muslim nations where there isn't witnesses of jesus for them but evidently so even if that happens to a muslim person they find people along the journey who becomes people who are real people who feed into their life and become these spiritual parents for them and it's happened for you at some stage or it should have happened for you at some stage and I gave you tips last week on how to get training then if you, uh, um, yeah, you realise that uh, you want to input into someone's life and uh, be one of those spiritual parents. And I, I want to commend to you today to commit to investing in a specific person or a specific couple for a specific time and to think about how you might train a true son or daughter. But firstly, I want you to ask this. Who invested in you? Who was the person who invested in you and your life and your Christian walk? If you're writing down person, write down their name. If you're just taking mental note, take a mental note. Who trained or disciplined you for, discipled you or disciplined you even uh, for a certain time and helped you along the Christian journey? Who has been that spiritual parent to you? You got them? Okay, just nod once. I'm sorry, I thought some people were falling asleep. Nod twice. (laughs) Who is your spiritual parent? If you identify them and they've been brought to your mind now, do something. Call them today, send them a text, send them an email and remind them of the input that they've had into your life and how helpful they were. It would be a really encouraging thing for them to hear from you. Who is a person who has been your spiritual parent? But secondly, who can you be a spiritual parent to? Who could be your son, a spiritual son or spiritual daughter? And as you think about that, uh, maybe you were here last week and you have started to think about that. But maybe the spirit can identify and confirm in you who that person might be. And what I want you to do now is I want you to talk to the people around you. And I want, to, I want you, you to tell them the who. Who was the person or who were the people that have been spiritual parents to you? And secondly, who could be that person that you could be a spiritual parent to? Or who could be a spiritual son or daughter? Who, who is currently a spiritual son or daughter you are walking with? That would be a really good conversation to have, wouldn't it? All the people said, yes, oh yeah, good. So go to it, have a conversation with someone. Who is a person who was your spiritual parent? Who could you be a spiritual parent to? Who could be that son or that daughter? Take a moment to have a chat to someone. Friends, hopefully you've had a good chance to share it. And I'm glad we've had a bit of an extended time to do that. Now now it's hard to get them quiet, isn't it? <laughs> but I, I got to hear of someone whose spiritual parents was their biological parents, which is a very beautiful thing too, and uh, thinking of that, but also someone who uh, this place has been their kind of spiritual roots and they're back here visiting us today where they came to the Lord. So a great thing and great conversations, which I encourage you to keep ha- having and do get in contact with that person or, or one of the, or those people that have invested in your life and have been those spiritual parents to you. God bless you.